Well, good afternoon and welcome to Hour 3 on a lively uh, and uh, a wonderful, great day for talk radio. It's just one of those fall days where it seems like it's clipping along at uh, breakneck speed. We were talking earlier about this being the 25th anniversary of the Jays winning their second of back-to-back World Series. The World Series starts tonight in Boston. And, of course, uh, when we had Dwayne Ward on, the closer and winner, by the way, of that game, uh, the final one, the sixth one, where Joe... Carter hit the walk-off home run. Uh, rather interesting things he had to say. Uh, we'll reprise some of that for you here in the hour. Giorgio Mammoliti is going to join us as well. Uh, he was one of the losers last night. We go from winners to losers, and then we've got some people who are aspiring to be winners, and that would include the leader of the official opposition, Andrew Scheer, where uh, yesterday when we were talking to the CEO of Ipsos, who had done a poll that was commissioned by Global News, it found that he is now neck and neck with Justin Trudeau's liberals. Uh, it's 36% liberal, 35 for the conservatives, which uh, strikes, according to Mr. Bricker anyway, an ominous note for the liberals, and he also claimed that they had misaligned priorities, whereas they were uh, focusing on things like Gender equity and climate change and reconciliation with indigenous peoples. Their survey showed respondents uh, choosing their top three issues. 35% uh, picked health care, 28% picked taxes, and 27% picked the economy. Uh, so if it comes down to it, we're a year out from an election. Uh, whether the liberals or, for that matter, the conservatives. Let's find out. Andrew Shear has joined us to speak to these issues and more. He is a leader of the official opposition. Mr. Shear, good to have you back in the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Well, thank you very much for having me back on. I've got to ask you about this poll, because I was curious. Now, uh, you're neck and neck with the Liberals at this point, and uh, Ipsos CEO, Mr. Bricker, was saying yesterday the Liberals seem to have uh, misaligned their priorities. What do you think are the uh, key things that Canadians care about? I mean, he has his own survey results, but I'm just curious what your sense of it is. Well, the sense that I get as I travel around the country is that uh, Canadians are concerned about uh, g- g- getting further behind, that uh, there's a sense that there's a whole lot of spending going on by government. You know, we see these huge deficit numbers, uh, $20 billion of borrowed money. Uh, they see big announcements where Justin Trudeau's uh, giving big subsidies to big corporations or uh, being feted uh, by international uh, elites. But there, there's not the sense that people themselves are benefiting from that. In fact, they're seeing costs going up. Uh, housing affordability is a huge issue. Uh, the, the the fact that wages aren't keeping up with, with higher costs. And that's, that's why I believe that we're doing better in the polls now, because the Conservative Party has been focusing on those issues. And when we, uh, for example, today's announcement on the carbon tax, you know, talking about how home heating is going to get more expensive, the uh, cost to fill your tank with gas. This isn't where Canadians are looking for right now. They're looking for a government that's going to help them get ahead and not just get by. All right, so clarify your position on the carbon tax. Justin Trudeau was at Humber College here in Toronto earlier today, talked about rebates uh, where, you know, Canadians who are going to pay more consumer items and so on and so forth, gasoline, things being trucked to market will obviously rise in price, but uh, about 90% of the costs will come back to, in this case, Ontarians. Uh, They would expect a rebate of about $300 uh, on average, a family of four. Uh, what is your position on a carbon tax? Well, I believe in a carbon tax. Uh, it will not work. I'm opposed to it. And let's break down this liberal announcement today. Uh, it's a giant shell game. Uh, they are acknowledging that costs will go up on home heating and gas. And But what they don't factor in is the cost of the secondary effects 
of a carbon tax. So, for example, uh, the cost of your groceries that have to get trucked in from all over Ontario, all over North America, that's going to be more expensive. Uh, the cost to power your your homes, uh, your, your home, uh, if, if that energy comes from certain types of sources, that's going to be more expensive. The cost of doing business in, in for small and medium-sized businesses will go up, meaning that we'll see jobs and investment go south of the border. The Liberals have refused to release the true impacts of their carbon tax. They, they, they've redacted all the documents, they blacked it out, they're, they're trying to keep that secret, but then they're asking to trust them, they're asking Canadians to trust them that a measly $12.50 a month per taxpayer is somehow going to co- cover the cost of all those increased costs. I, I don't believe Canadians will be fooled, and a Conservative government in 2019 will repeal this carbon tax. You will repeal, all right. Uh, on the matter of costs as well, there was a story that's come out just uh, yesterday, I guess, where uh, they have written off $2.6 billion in auto loans to, I guess, uh, Chrysler, $6.3 billion in total, including $344 million on bad student loans. Uh, is that something that you can understand in the context of saving, you know, Chrysler at the time in the meltdown of 2009 uh, is justifiable, or is this something that uh, the government should not be forgiving? Yeah, well, I think you're absolutely right to bring that up in the context of when those decisions were made. You know, the the, the government here in Canada, and it was a minority of government at the time, uh, was faced with a U.S. government making aggressive moves uh, to uh, protect the, the big three automakers from the effects of, of the global recession, the global crash. Uh, you know, those decisions were made in that context that uh, in, 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 we're facing a, a, a drastic reduction in the presence of the auto sector here uh, in Canada. So the, the benefits of that, the benefits of, of maintaining that uh, level of activity by those automakers, all those jobs throughout southwestern Ontario, that's not factored in in, t- in today's announcement. So it does you know, show up as a line item that is significant, and and Canadians should rightly have those questions about uh, why the decision was made today. But I think if we take a step back on this and look at the fact that uh, it's not just the auto sector, it's other types of loans, it's other types of uh, uh, corporate giveaways and, and, and write-offs to individuals, none of this was factored into the Liberal deficit projection. So, you know, when, when the Liberals talk about running... Uh, deficits when they promised that they'd be balanced this year, and then they come out with a budget that shows $18 billion of deficits. That's before the impacts of, of the new NAFTA deal. It's before they have to bail out the dairy sector for the concessions they gave uh, under NAFTA. That's before uh, the, uh, the, the, the announcement today of, of, of spending associated with the carbon tax. So uh, more and more Canadians are telling me that they're very concerned with how much money this government's borrowing from future generations of Canadians. Again, Andrew Shear, leader of the official opposition with us. I've got to ask you about a couple of wedge issues. Uh, you know, the pot legalization, much ballyhooed just a, a week ago, it seems like it was a while back. Uh, you're taking a wait-and-see approach. Uh, what is your rationale? Well, what, what, what I've said uh, for, you know, from, uh, for, for quite some time, even before the legislation was passed, is that uh, concerns will be very realistic about the, the way this change will, will be implemented and the fact that, uh, uh, that this is the new reality. So uh, what we're talking about is a wait-and-see approach on where improvements can be made on this regime, uh, where we might look at uh, protecting youth and, and young people from, uh, from, from the effects of, of marijuana. We talk about the public education campaign, tools for law enforcement and provincial premiers. So I've, I've said very 
you know, very consistently that uh, uh, making it illegal again is not something that uh, that that, uh, that is realistic. We would instead be focusing on uh, where we can fill in the gaps of where this uh, Liberal government rushed this through. All right, I've got to let you go, but uh, last question, just yes or no, Ontario is going to strip returning terrorists of provincial privileges. Doug Ford's announced that emphatically. He's going to table the bill next week. You support him in that regard? I support any any measure that helps make sure that uh, these types of violent uh, terrorists are held accountable, and that I don't believe that they deserve any uh, any anything beyond the bare minimum when it comes to to to, to, to what citizenship means. You look at uh, the types of horrific crimes that they've committed, and uh, you know I've we've been calling on the government to to do more to hold them accountable, to actually put them in prison, to charge them, and take away uh, their ability to roam the streets or to infect others with their radical ideology. Uh, I can see that uh, you're trying to uh, put some distance between yourself and how the Liberals approach these things. That's why I call them wedge issues. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, We'll have to do it a little longer next time, but uh, thanks so much for your time this afternoon, Andrew. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. All right. Andrew Shearer, again, leader of the official opposition. On several of the issues, I mean, the other thing, of course, is this Khashoggi. Uh, I mean, it's kind of emblematic of how you would deal in the real political world of... uh, not virtue signaling because everybody knows your real idealism is to uh, want to see people dealt with uh, in a harsh manner. If there's somebody been murdered in a brutal fashion, you know, a life taken, you'd want to penalize them and you wouldn't have any trucker trade to do with them. But the thing of the, the problem here is you've got a $15 billion potential contract with uh, general dynamics in London, Ontario, And the cost of breaching the contract is about a billion dollars. These are the penalties. So what do you do? I mean, Justin Trudeau is now uh, on the horns of a dilemma. I'll ask you, because is this something where you can see that uh, going forward, a lot of people mocked Donald Trump when he was asked this about, uh, well, maybe a week ago now. And he said, we've got $110 billion in contracts. And this is big business where a lot of people's lives would be impacted. Jobs are on the table and blah, blah, blah. Now, The trade-off in a perfectly moral world is uh, you don't trade these things off for, you know, filthy lucre or mammon. It's a case of you do the righteous thing, but you weigh that in the equation and you start to rationalize and you start to say, well, we'll investigate and we'll get to the bottom of it. And uh, perhaps it was a rogue element or uh, what was the latest? He was killed in a fist fight, this Khashoggi guy. Or is it worth uh, actually standing on this vaunted principle of right from wrong, and you basically forego all of the attendant benefits, contracts, jobs, a relationship, <laughs> what would you do? Uh, what is the price that you're willing to pay in terms of protecting, I mean, the integrity of the rule of law? That's effectively what's on the table here. All right, uh, that was more than we had time for with Mr. Shear, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to answer it. And then, of course, uh, integrity writ large. We've got Giorgio Mammoliti stopping by to explain how he lost in last night's election. He was one of those who drew the short straw to Anthony Peruzza. I guess it was uh, acrimonious in the end, and uh, Giorgio also intimating that he was maybe the victim of a third party that came in, kind of almost an interloper in his ward who siphoned off about 4,000 votes that he could have used. He's assuming, of course, they all would have went to him. But still, we'll get Mr. Mammoliti uh, at the bottom of the hour. On this question, though, what do you do on this Khashoggi murder that sort of transfixed the world? Uh, You've got the U.K. and France saying they're going to curtail their deals with Saudi Arabia. 
I'm guessing that's only a temporary thing till it all goes away and, you know, something else happens and uh, it'll be back to business as usual, at least through the back channels. How do you think Canada ought to approach this? Do we cancel that contract for the LAVs, the light armored vehicles that we're selling to them? Some people are just, you know, absolutely rankled that we're selling them to begin with because then they use them in this bitter war against the, the folks in Yemen, which, and do we care about that? You know, halfway around the world. I guess the argument is, uh, from a distance, we still have blood on our hands, but nonetheless, uh, jobs and all kinds of economic benefit. What do you do? That's the world that Justin Trudeau is now having to confront, and he's hemming and hawing more so than usual.